All spiritual growth is purely to consciously realize that we are all one and live every day in that positive mindset. The purpose of our lives is to complete an esoteric spiritual awakening and transformation where we are all consciously aware that we are one. The more we know about our higher selves intertwined with the universe and God as the essence of creation, the more meaningful it is to feel whole because we are one in the same. Everyone has energy within and the power transforms that energy into different vibrations and dimensions. Join Charlie May in the connection to self, your spirit guides and spirit angels. Ascend to higher frequencies, vibrations and other dimensions with the Spirit Guider. Too much of a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Spirit Guider. I'm your host, Charlie May. How you doing, Yale? Good. I have with me Yale Bowman again. I would like to do a three-part session, part one. All right. And um, just dive right into it. You okay. have been my mentor we have talked continuously over probably the past couple of years, or you have started me on a part of my journey. I have another mentor, but you really took me under your wing and showed me the path because I'm really into Kabbalah, and that is where Kabbalah took me to my, my next level. Let's just get right into it. Okay. Let's talk about ego. Okay. What are your thoughts on people living in this ego, and I'm even going to call it the ego earth? Because we are drawn to being all about ourselves. I do try to live egoless and start a kindness of helping others and, and being aware in other people's image. What are your thoughts on being this egoless and ego? I think there's really two levels when you talk about having an ego. The first level is it's part of like having a human personality. So the, the first part of it is the part you're not really going to get rid of where you have a personality and... Sometimes that personality feels good to other people and sometimes it feels bad to other people. So on one level, when we say someone has an ego, is whether their personality is really like harmonious with the rest of the world. And on the other level, having an ego is where we're like identifying just with the fixed physical world too. So I think there's, there's really two distinct levels of that. But wouldn't you say that ego comes along with being natural human behavior? I always have to take it back to a natural human level. Yeah, on some levels, I think without an ego, we wouldn't you know, have a drive to survive. So it's it's obviously got some natural function to it. I, I don't personally believe you could ever get rid of it, but it's one of those things you learn how to see it more clearly. So you learn how to see your motives and your intentions. And if you do, you know, your inner work and your healing, you can become more kind to others, more harmonious toward others in the world, you know, have a, have a better, like, alignment with the world around you, definitely. I'm going to get deep here because I always, when you talk, I have to bring out these these answers in you. I do think that there is a level where someone can get rid of ego and still survive because I look at people, say, Mother Teresa. Would you say she had an ego? I would say, uh, this is just my opinion, right? I'm open to other opinions too. But I'd say the people we see, and we see them without big egos, it's that they're, they've, I think they've worked to be aware of those egos. It wasn't like they tried to destroy them. I think that they work to see that part of themselves that other people might just choose not to see. And, you know, it, it's not convenient, so we'll turn away from that. But it's it's really about being accountable with our energy, our words, and all that. So it's more transforming that into something more conscious, I think. So it's an awareness, and I was going to get to the conscious level. 
Why do you think people are not aware of their own ego? Where does it get lost? It really depends who you are, doesn't it? Some of us, from early on, we are in a survival mode. Or some of us, the world we live in is just feels hard to manage. For others, our, our certain disposition might be more toward service of ourself or selfishness or kindness and compassion. So, and I've even met really compassionate people with big egos. You know, their egos wrapped up in, in being, and ego is not always the biggest and strongest. Sometimes it's, I'm the sickest, I'm the poorest, you know, and that's not everybody. But there are people you occasionally meet that like slightly narcissistic person who's, you ask them, they're the worst at everything. There's always something bad happening to them, right? So, so then would they turn their ego of that into manipulation? It could be done. But I think a lot of times, and I, I go by this philosophy, most people are, exhibiting hurtful behaviors or, you know, aren't really in harmony with people around them, aren't really wanting to be doing that or trying to do that. I think most of us are doing our best at any given time. And then there's those few people on earth who really are on purpose. But even, I think, take some of the, the most difficult people, they're, they're usually just not aware of what they're doing. It might even just be through stubbornness, a lack to see. But it goes back to that theme of the more we peer into ourselves, mm -hmm. the more we're going to clarify that and distill it. And that's like a personal alchemy process. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's so awesome. So I'm going to give you an example. I could stand with someone at a party that I just met. Yeah. They will spend 15 minutes doing nothing but talking about themselves. I'm standing there and no question is asked to me. Right. Is that not being self-aware of the other person? I, I think on a level it's not being self-aware and it's not being aware of the other person around you. And, you know, different people are better at being aware of the cues somebody's giving and the energy they're putting off, whether they're interested or overwhelmed. You know, there's those people that are hyper aware, you know, empathic, naturally aware of everything going on around them and everyone's energy. And then there's the people, you know, on the other end of the spectrum who are only aware of themselves. And so you catch one of those people at a party, you get sucked into all these high school stories and, you know, all oh, their yeah. vacations and whatever else. They're not necessarily bad people always, but they can be draining people to be around. But I don't understand how a person doesn't see that in themselves. It seriously yeah. blows my mind. Well, I think anybody who's had not necessarily a spiritual awakening experience, but even just a personal awakening experience, like, you know, through emotional healing or looking deeper and introspectively, gets an opportunity to see themselves better. And some people are more inclined to that. Other people won't do it until they've had, you know, a big major event. You know, it could be a coming to God moment. It could be, you know, a cataclysm or a trauma or something else like that, you know, positive or negative. But most of us start with a certain inclination, and then through a spiritual or personal waking, we're inspired to look deeper. And that can be inspired by the things we see in our life, the things, things we see in our world, near-death experiences. Do you think trauma brings about more spiritual awakening or personal awakening? It depends on the person. Some people experience trauma and they go deeper into that ego and they go deeper into the hold. Other people experience pain and it breaks them wide open. You know, it takes them to the bottom of the well, but they hit that clear spring underneath. And so I have this saying, you know, sometimes the deeper you, you dig that well, the closer you get to that cool, you know, water clarity because over time you learn how to process. And then there's those people where they that creates a resistance in them too. I don't think that's within our control necessarily. It, it's kind of within within the roll of the dice or what you end up with in, in your life and your disposition. Have you personally dug to your core? I, I try to. You know, I, I, I've I always been inclined to doing it. Mm -hmm. I, totally. I love meeting other people who are inclined to do it. I'm open to doing it. Yeah. I think it's it's one of the ways where you're going to make sure you're bringing the best self out. And, I mean, you can't do it so much that you're not able to function, but it, it, helps, it helps because 
I think if we're all asking that question, we talked about this in a previous, you know, time together. It's how we're bringing our best self out to the world and how we're impacting that world and changing, creating that world we want to live in. It's through those little moments. It is. And it reminded me of how you said when you bring your higher self, that allows you be a part of the whole. Yeah. And it wasn't until then, because I did have that awakening where I did realize through Kabbalah that I was one of a whole. Yeah. And I think that's where it started with me. But some people remain clueless their entire lives. Well, if we want to talk about the ego, we also want to talk about the fact that sometimes on some level or another, whether in a really selfish way or really, you know, subtle way, our ego doesn't want to be part of a giant organism. Yeah. Even if you've already had an experience of oneness, that ego is going to say, I'm hungry, you know, I'm tired, this isn't fair. You know, it's our job to be aware of those things. But we can prioritize getting back to that experience of being part of this big organism, the universe. You know, I knew we were going to talk today. And when I was driving, you know, back from school pick up, at school drop-off this morning, I thought, what's a good analogy? Is the sun is a great analogy. It's this big light source, right? And, you know, if we considered, let's say, for example, in this, in this metaphor, the sun is the main light source, the only one. If we turned it off, there's no light, you know, in the universe. Th- those little rays that come out, they bring everything to life. You know, they reflect off everything. They bring it alive in the visible spectrum. We can interact and perceive it. And if we were to turn that off, you know, it could all cease to exist for a minute. So when, when we identify and try to think back, you know, through reflection and meditation or whatever else, getting back to that, that big source of energy and seeing that we all come from this same place, but we're interacting with all these reflections and, you know, manifestations of it. There's some shared essence there. And and, and ideally, if if we're looking at all these reflections, we're going to think back, where's it all coming from? Yeah, when I think when, when I'm using the sun as an example there, I'm using it just as a simplified example of like all consciousness or all... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when we're talking about like, you know, the sun... It's drive to to light and stay alive is it stay it keeps things in harmony with nature until it till the day where it's not supposed to right oh yeah so it's it's got its own destiny it's fulfilling I guess if we can think of it that way yeah I definitely love that you know I always talk to you about reincarnation and I I just want to dip in it one time because we're on the part of ego in a reincarnated life over and over and over would somebody learn to be egoless after many lives? Is that something that the life and your your energy grows to know over time? I think it's a really, really interesting question because on one hand, our whole interest in past life comes from our ego in and of itself, to know that we're, we don't die, to know that our personality lived on. So I've always found that part of past lives to be really curious. We want to survive beyond death as human beings naturally. It's been a natural drive, but we also want to know we existed before we ever lived. I think that's really interesting part of thinking about past lives. You know, as human beings, a lot of our interests can come from our egotistical advantage to knowing about past lives. But then there's the real experiences, the memories, the like kind of phenomena that people have had and experience. So when I think about past lives, I think in terms of it, when we go back to that metaphor of the sun and the shared energy, there's no way we're not sharing information on some level too. I don't choose to believe just based on what I've experienced, and, and I can only go by my firsthand experiences as kind of um, the guidepost, but I don't choose to believe that it's all about one individual soul having a journey necessarily. It, it, it can be about that at times, but I think we also have this ability to share as as all the energy and consciousness in the universe experiences, and naturally there's going to be some memories tucked in there because we're not as separate as we think we are. Oh, no, no doubt. 
And I do look at more as an energy. Yeah. And what you're saying, just to clarify, you're saying that as our energy continues, it's not it is not glued to one soul as we continue our journey in energy. I think it's it's very likely and possible. We all share this one consciousness and, and arguably one soul. And at different times, we might correspond even with other people we knew. Who knows if we, if our souls lined up in the same times or even the same bodies? I mean, that that all would be so interesting to know, definitely, right? But it, to to think that we all just break away individually on our own lifelines, I, I think it's less likely. And I think it's less likely that you were born into existence with one soul and it lives many, many lives. And then you come out the other side and then you're enlightened or whatever. I've always seen it as we're all tied to each other's vibration or we're all tied to each other's journey. So as we complete what we're supposed to do, some level of, you know, ultimate realization is going to influence the reality we live in in some fundamental level. What if this life you and I live in right now, waking up and going to work or going to bed or whatever, what if this is such a limited reality compared to what consciousness could experience one day? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. But then my ego has to say, where does the special come in to a one's energy? You could say we're all part of this oneness and, and our souls are all just one. But then when does where do does our individuality and our special within come from? So that's, I think, also the power of the power is also in individuality because individuality, as we've seen in the world we live in, creates progression. The people who've had tr struggles and triumphs and, and changed the face of humanity, they've changed the way we view the world. They've changed the way we view society when they stand up to injustice or when they, you know, raise awareness about something or when they take a stand, you know, in, in some time in history or make an impact in art or music or science. So... That individuality, I think, is also a tool that a that you know a collective conscious could use as an advantage and a positive thing. That doesn't mean individuality is bad. I think it's required because if we're all reflecting off each other, we've got to be learning and growing. I think that that's that has to be the reason we're here. I know my energy is visiting in this body. I'm not trying to to be conceited within my ego. I want to know that my energy in this body is making a difference and that I am worth something in this body. And if I think about that my soul is going to be in another energy or another different soul, it kind of makes me sad because I want to stay who my energy is. I yeah. want it to continue in this wonderful, positive life that I have created. I think it's a dilemma of when it comes to our ego. We want to stay individual because we know have work work to do as an individual. And then we also have to consider, one, we're special in our inherent value of being here. I think that's good to consider. It's not all outcome-based. And, and it's not all just work and productivity. On the other hand, we may have some really unique things only we are here to do in the position we're born in with the skills we have. And where we go after that is probably very much dictated by where we needed to be whether it's with some of those memories in another body, none of those memories in another body, often a different dimension of, of existence entirely. Those are the things that I think no matter how many times we answer those questions, it's like a scientific answer. It's, oh, yeah. We're never going to get it 100% yeah. on the head. So whenever someone talks about past lives or consciousness or different dimensions of existence with certainty, I always take it with a grain of salt because – and the things that we've thought we've really known as human beings, we've we found ultimately we're so limited. 
and in our understanding of those things. And so I think part of it is knowing it's this big mystery that we get to touch in the center of, but it's not really meant to be solved. Oh, no doubt. I don't think it can be. And we go on the mechanical level, it can help us understand some of the questions we have in our life, especially as as human beings who, who not only are inclined to be individuals, but I think meant to be individuals. But getting to touch in that mystery and not putting the pressure of having to figure it all out, I think, is where that harmony and that balance come out. If, if we if we we figured it out, I think I think there'd be no drive. <laughs> so that mystery keeps us going. It's kept us going for thousands of years. It's kept not just people in religion and spirituality and other things, but art and music and you mm-hmm. know, it's even science and philosophy. Have it, you ever met another soul person human in in your lifetime that? you thought was your soul? I don't know. I've, you know, I've met people, I feel like I've absolutely had to meet this person. And I feel like a lot... But was it you or your soul combined? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I guess when I said, I think we could, we could share, you know, it was, it was kind of for argument's sake, we could even be, be sharing, you know, space at one time, you know, as, as we break away from that whole, you know, there's, I don't think there's maybe the rules that it has to be individual. I've never met anyone said, oh, this must be me. But I've met people and gone, man, that we're so similar or, yeah. you know, that, that we, we're really close to the same way of thinking or, you know, approaching life. But you notice you're also slightly different with those people. Oh, yeah, too. no doubt. You can't be 100%, which is, which is the fun part about it. And again, I think it's all about reflecting and learning and seeing yourself through a different perspective because really everyone you meet and everything you see is going to reflect some, some level of, you know, consciousness back to you in, in some way. It, 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 you might not be in that state of mind every minute of every day. But in those times where we know we're in a spiritually significant time in our life or a spiritually open time in our week or day or whatever, those are big times. Oh, yeah. And you were talking about the mechanics. What are the mechanics of telling the future? The future is really interesting, right? Because on, on one level, we, we all want to know how things quantify and change. That's part of our need for security, and we like to be able to plan accordingly. And that's a really long-term benefit of that that people provided in as, as people doing divination or looking in the future is how can you figure out the next steps going beyond that we're looking at how our how our like relationship is with the universe around us really i find that when people want to come in and talk about the future there's two things we've got to address we've got to address what you want to know and what you're and some people don't want to know what's going to change and what's going to develop some people are more interested in the spiritual or, or the you know, experience the growth part of it yeah uh-huh. or the experience but we got to figure out what's going to change. What do you actually have the power to change? You know, what's already set in motion? A lot of the future is going to be determined by circumstances that, you know, that, that surround you, what you've done in the past. And so we could call that your karma, all the decisions you've already made and all the circumstances that, that define who you are and where you're at in your life. They kind of define which doors are open, which, which doors are closed. That's, that's a force of nature in my mind. You can't really necessarily go against nature. I find that usually the harder you do that, the more resistance you get. And so even then, when you talk about telling the future, you can guide someone how to go with the flow rather than against it. It's about creating your own future, the laws of attraction, the laws yeah. of vibration. Like there's so many natural universal laws that we can take to make our step down that path. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I do. And I think the only thing we run into trouble is when we want it quick. That the only oh, yeah, time no I think yeah. when we when we get into trouble is when we want it quick. So if you've got a big manifestation and you put it in a two-week or two-month time frame, that's when people get frustrated. It also There's two kind of requirements. On one hand, it needs to be aligned for you. 
it's not aligned for you, I don't care what practice you use. It's not going to work, you know. What do you mean by aligned, if you can get a little deeper? Do you mean spiritually aligned, universally aligned? That is your universal path chosen for you in the universe? Or which kind of alignment are you speaking of? I'd say both. You know, one hand has to be within the realm of physical possibility. On the other hand, it has to actually be beneficial for you. Because if it's not beneficial for you and, and, and harmonious in the terms of what's going on for other you and others energetically, the classic example, which I'll use, which has been the example for probably hundreds of years, is I want to get back with this person. I want to be in love with this person. And okay. I'm going to do everything I can, all the manifestation work, law of attraction. But that person's not actually right for them. So someone can get stuck focusing on that person and miss the whole other realm of possibilities growth. You know, and that happens less and less as, as society progresses with, with these kinds of things in the mainstream spiritual and, you know, personal growth areas, you know, coming out. But that's one of the most frustrating things I've seen as someone who helps people look into the future is that sometimes we want things we just shouldn't have. And and there's no fixing the human condition. That goes back to when we're talking about the ego. Oh, yeah. It's like we have to make sure we check that when we're talking about our growth and our life path. And then how would someone know that that is not good for them, that it, it is not meant for them to have what they have been manifesting? How would someone yeah. know? So the universe really speaks two languages. It, it speaks the language of opening doors and closing doors. So if you're gonna getting a lot of closed doors and you've been trying for a while— you need to take that as a sign. If you're getting open doors, even if they're spaced out apart, you know, you're starting a new career path or you're, you know, you're, you're getting back into dating after having your heart broken or divorce or whatever it might be. You know, there's lots of examples. But if you're noticing doors open, even if they're three years apart, even if they're three months apart, you at least know you're, you're experiencing growth. We, is, we can get confused about on a mental level what's right or wrong for us. But on, in our heart, and our center, it's not easy for one to feel that. But that's where we're going to feel whether the doors are opening or closing. And then we've got to do the thing that's the hardest, which is decide what's happening. Mm-hmm. Are these doors opening or closing? And that can be hard because can, there can be a hard no, a hard yes, or a wait and see, you know, which is let this develop and play out. Not all of us are going to have an A to B path. You know, some of us are going to have a more winding path. And again, that's our karmic disposition, you know, all the, the product of what we're here to do on our life path. You know, since we talked about, you know, past lives and our, our mission and purpose here, I, I do believe the biggest focus an individual can have is trying to understand the style of their life path and the way it plays out because everyone's a little different. And that's why I talk to people about their energy types a lot. Your energy type will dictate a lot about how your life path and your spiritual path will go. Oh, no doubt. And I like to focus on that. You know, when, I, when we talk about past lives, I tend to focus on that if it's really required for peace of healing or if it's really required for someone to understand their place in the universe. But I find the most beneficial thing someone can understand is their energy type, their life path, their spiritual path. Those things make a big difference. A lot of times they function independently of a lot of the information we can have of our past lives because that stuff can fall into the realm of novelty, you know, if we're not careful. It's not always adding a substance to the whole like like the energy type life path and spiritual path are how many doors personally have to close for you for you to move on if i'm lucky one (laughs) (laughs) one and you know you're done or if i'm really really lucky i know before i start out it's not it's it's not aligned for me and that's that you know as you work on your and that's the hardest part it's the hardest part Mm -hmm. but with practice through knowing how a closed door feels before you approach it you can you can start to identify that just like how knowing how an open door feels before you approach it Uh, it's the same as walking up to someone who looks friendly or doesn't look friendly. You know, you know if you want to talk to them or not. 
So that vibe you get when you go to approach something is similar to that kind of feeling. Why don't people pay more attention to those, those energy feelings, the vibes? Why do people not pay attention to their own intuition? I, I mean, you can't fault us because we don't, we weren't raised to do that. We're raised for productivity, you know, in a society we live in. And, um, then we have, you know, some more highly sensitive empathic people who were more naturally inclined. You have people who aren't naturally inclined at all to this, but people have different types of intuition. Some people have really practical intuition. You know, they can tell if someone's lying or they can tell if mm-hmm. something's a good financial decision. And some of us have good reflective intuition. We can tell kind of more the energy of things and things like that. But it's really about what we pay attention to grows and develops, right? So, well, I take it back to the ego wanting instead yes. of listening to what is truly right for that person. I've always found that when we're supposed to understand those things, we do. And mm-hmm. a lot of times for someone, even if we wish they would, if it's not the right time for them, it's not going to make sense for them. I've left it up. There's an element of grace to that, you know, not in the religious sense, but there's an element of is this sanctioned for you to really be at this place in your spiritual journey right now? If not, you're in over your head. And you're going to feel a sense of un- unrest and, and be feel unwell because you're further along in that part than you're supposed to be. It, the people who are supposed to be working on their intuitions, they know it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And then if we're talking yeah. about why they don't do it, a lot of times it's the conditioning. You know, it's the lack of trust in ourselves. We've broken that main relationship with ourselves through, you know, either through trauma or through, you know, ang- anxiety we experience or self-doubt or whatever it might be. And that can be a great time for someone to, you know, get a reading or some spiritual guidance. And that is the last thing I wanted to ask you. If you have someone wanting to start on their spiritual path, what's the first thing you do with them? It depends on where they are. You know, we all start at different levels. So my practice is always meeting someone where they are. If someone's been meditating 20 years, you got to meet them there. If someone just started questioning all these things, we got to go to the first thing that they could grasp, you know. And, and What is usually that first thing? A lot of times it's signs. People are getting signs. And we got to talk about what they mean and where they're going. Exactly. To get them on the path that they're for their higher self. Yeah, and, and just get the, the next piece you need to grow. Yeah, you amaze me all the time. Thank you for your love, your kindness. And I can't wait to have part two of our three-part series. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Indeed. This is The Spirit Guider with Charlie May.